Have you ever found yourself struggling to be honest with yourself? Like you have one of those late nights, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to watch one more episode of, and three hours later, it's like, wait a minute, it's halfway through the night and you've got to get up early in the morning. Or that sense of, you know, I know this relationship isn't very healthy, but it's, I'm comfortable. Sometimes we have a hard time being honest with ourselves. Sometimes we see it or experience it like when we keep thinking every single time that it's always greener on the other side and it never is. Or when we're like struggling to be honest with, we don't want to do, change, try, speak about, try to figure out whatever because it's uncomfortable. There's this thing about when we're trying to be honest with ourselves, when we're like trying to get in to it, it's hard work because it's uncomfortable and it requires a whole lot of self-awareness. And yet there's something powerful about when we finally do it, even when we finally get through that uncomfortable portion and come out on the other side and it's like a new life has begun. And so today, as we dig into the power of being honest with yourself, that power that comes with it, that is good and healthy, we're going to look at a story out of Acts 4 and a little bit out of Acts 5. And this story is a little on the, whoa, that sounds a little crazy. And maybe you've heard the story about Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe you have no kind of sense of what's about to happen with this one. And so to think about and hear it through, though, a lens of the importance of being honest with ourselves and how destructive it can be when we aren't. So beginning in Acts, the fourth chapter, verses 32 through 35, and and this is the really the early church. They're starting to form communities. The apostles are still around. The apostles are still alive. They're still teaching. So early days of the church. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. An abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. All right, so what's happening here is, that they are trying to respond. They're trying to do that whole thing we talked about actually last week in John 14. Jesus is like, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
which were all about how do we love one another and about living the way that Jesus did. He was always trying to respond to people's needs. And so this begins with how the apostles and the community are responding to one another's needs. And they're actually, they're having a discussion about money, which can sometimes be uncomfortable. But this is a story about how all of the gifts that we've been given by God, all of our abilities, all of our resources, how do we use those things that each of us has, which is unique, to respond to those in need? to respond to this common goal. When it says they were of one in heart and mind, it means they had a common goal. They had a common vision, a common mission, and their common vision mission was to follow Jesus, was try to live the way of Jesus, to try to love one another. And so they're trying that out in, okay, well, Jesus responded to each other's needs. They, he, he was always listening and responding. So what if we try that? How do we begin to try out the things that Jesus did. And so this sense, right, this sense of they're distributing, they're responding to one another's needs. There's something powerful about it. There's something powerful about being honest with the abilities, gifts, and resources we've been given and taking a hard look at those and saying, how can I use that gift ability to help to respond to someone else. Amazing things can happen when we begin to respond to each other's needs. And not all of us have the exact same gifts and abilities. We are a diverse people, which is so beautiful that we have this diversity among us because we have so many different kinds of needs and we need so many different kinds of responses. And here, there is room for all of that. There's this room and excitement of saying, wait a minute, we can follow the way of Jesus. We can be honest about what we have been given, the abilities that we have, and begin to take action. Maybe even do things that never thought possible. This community is able to respond to one another in ways that maybe weren't so effective when they were apart before becoming a community. So something beautiful about coming together in their honesty about what they are capable of doing. And maybe it even pushes them out of their comfort zone, but that's okay. Because now they're responding to one another, a mutuality, because all of us have needs. Every single one of us have needs. And so a mutual response because they were honest with themselves and with one another. But what happens when maybe we get tripped up when we don't want to do that kind of work? Starting in chapter 4, verse 36, but then continuing into chapter 5, verse 2. Joseph, whom the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, that is, one who encourages, was a Levite from Cyprus. He owned a field, sold it, brought the money, and placed it in the care and under the authority of the apostles. However, a man named Ananias, along with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he withheld some of the proceeds from the sale. He brought the rest and placed it in the care and under the authority of the apostles. All right, so the first, this Barnabas, who's 
nicknamed Barnabas because he encourages one another. He decides, I'm going to sell this piece of property. I am going to bring the proceeds. I want to do some good. I want to be helpful. He is known as an encourager. And really, that's what this story is kind of hitting at. Like, what is the encouragement that he can give? And so he does. But then the story begins to turn with Ananias and Sapphira, that this couple, this husband and wife, collude with one another. Collude with one another because they want to be seen as an encouragement. They, they want people to look at them. They want a particular status in the community. And so they're going to try to act just like this guy Joseph named Barnabas. So it's all about put on, right? It's all about the look of it. And we know this. We run across people where it's all about the look and there is no depth, right? It's all about that sheen that some people have because that's what they want the world to see when in reality that's not who they are. And to recognize that when Joseph Barnabas was being real, was being honest about who he was and being honest with those around him, he could encourage others. With Ananias and Sapphira, things are about to take a really ugly turn. And so often, right, so often that's the case. When we are dishonest with ourselves, we think that, you know what, it's, it's all about what I want to portray. It's all about what I want others to see and to realize that some people see through us. It's also about recognizing that being honest with ourselves may mean we don't get what we want when we want it. So here the story starts to turn. The power of being honest and that encouragement of building others up and the power of dishonesty that has an impact far greater than Ananias and Sapphira. Continuing on in chapter 5, verses 3 through 7, Peter asked, Ananias, how is it that Satan has influenced you to lie to the Holy Spirit by withholding some of the proceeds from the sale of your land? Wasn't that property yours to keep? After you sold it, wasn't the money yours to do with whatever you wanted? What made you think of such a thing? You haven't lied to other people, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he dropped dead. Everyone who heard this conversation was terrified. Some young men stood up, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife entered, but she didn't know what had happened to her husband. Peter asked her, Tell me, did you and your husband receive this price for the field? She responded, Yes, that's the amount. So Peter knows, right? Peter knows that Ananias is lying. Ananias knows that he's lying. He's not being honest with himself. Now he's not being honest with others. And that's kind of how that works, right? That sometimes when we are so dishonest with ourselves that we begin to try to perpetuate that dishonesty, that lie to other people around us. And that ultimately we're also lying to God. And so Peter points that out. Peter's being honest with Ananias. He's like, no, why? Why didn't you just keep the land? 
Why did you tell us it was this when it was actually this? Why not just be real? It was yours to keep. It was yours to decide what you to do with what you wanted. So Peter is being honest with Ananias. And Ananias has been living so dishonestly that he cannot take it and drops dead. It's that moment of recognizing that sometimes when we are dishonest with ourselves, that it can destroy our lives. That it, it can destroy our lives in ways that maybe we never even expected. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy who we really do want to be deep down but have no initiative as to the hard work to get there to do it. And so here we see the power of dishonesty. We see how destructive it can be, and we know this in life. We know that people have destroyed their lives because they can't be honest. And even on a much smaller scale, right, sometimes it's hard to be honest with ourselves because we might feel a little shame, a little guilt. We maybe even feel embarrassed. Maybe we feel like, you know what, I just want to go hide. And so instead of doing the long-term work, instead of making the long-term choices of being honest that are very difficult to make, instead Ananias wants to take the quick route, let's just be dishonest, maybe get me some status and all will be well, when in reality that is destructive. And so think about our everyday kind of choices, the everyday things that we decide to do or not to do, that we know deep down is not being honest. It's not doing the hard work of being honest. And so those short-term, those quick fixes, that immediate gratification really ultimately is leading our lives down a path that isn't going to help us to thrive, but instead could destroy us. The other thing about this is that Ananias and Sapphira colluded, colluded with each other. That they, they decided that they wanted to try to pull this off together. That this community that's trying to respond to one another's needs, they're trying to be that encouragement to others. That instead they're going to bring their unhealthiness into this community and say, yeah, no, we're not going to participate in your honesty, but we want your results but we want them now. And to recognize that sometimes people really struggle in this and maybe we ourselves do. And so this whole point of what do we need to be aware of in our lives? Where do we need to get real, real honest right now? Because when we project out, when we look down the road, we can see that those little things of dishonesty begin to add up and begin to kind of snowball into something so big that at some point we can't contain it anymore. And Ananias drops over dead. His wife doesn't know what happens. She shows up and she's still playing along with the lie. Peter asks and she says, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's it. In his response, Peter continues to speak honesty into the situation. Verses 8 through 11, he replied, How could you scheme with each other to challenge the Lord's spirit? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out too. 
At that very moment, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men entered and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her with her husband. Trepidation and dread seized the whole church and all who heard what had happened. Ananias and Sapphira were dishonest with themselves, were dishonest with the community that they so desperately wanted to be a part of. They were dishonest with God. And to recognize the pain that that can cause, and it didn't just cause them pain, but it caused the community pain around them. The community now has trepidation and fear of what had happened, of what they heard. And I can only imagine, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, why why did that happen? Why, why did they choose that path? To understand that our dishonesty doesn't just impact ourselves, even when we think it's in the smallest of ways, but it begins to snowball out and it begins to impact others in the community that maybe we never thought even possible. The power of being dishonest and the power of being honest. Because in this moment, maybe that trepidation and that fear was also a sense of people going, oh man, I need to get real about my life, about the things I need to struggle with. Because had Ananias and Sapphira, when Peter started in and said, wait a minute, I don't think that that's true, had they said, you know what, it's not. We've made a mistake. That's a completely different conversation right there. Because Peter is the guy who denied Jesus. Peter is the guy who needs grace like everybody else, but instead they decided, no, we're going to continue on down this path of destruction. We're going to continue down this path of pain. We're going to continue down this path of being dishonest with ourselves and everyone around us because they wanted status, because they wanted to be seen as the encourager. They wanted to be seen as a moment of taking stock for ourselves. None of us are perfect. And that's part of Ananias and Sapphira's problem. They want to be seen as perfect. None of us are perfect. And we are going to make decisions. We are going to do things that aren't great, that maybe hurt other people. But the narrative, our story begins to change when we get honest about that and say, you know what, I totally screwed that up. I am sorry. Or, you know, I I struggle with that. And I don't I don't know why, but I could use some help because this is the thing. There is a community that is about encouraging one another and responding to each other's needs. There would have been someone there in that community to say, wait a minute, Ananias, Sapphira, I hear you. I hear the pain. I hear that you've made a mistake. How can we help you? How can we build you up? How can we encourage you in this and through this moment? But because Ananias and Sapphira could not get honest with themselves, they destroyed their lives. And so now the community has to take stock and figure out a way forward. Because remember, their goal hasn't changed. Their goal of following Jesus, of loving one another, of responding to each other's needs has not changed. But now they've learned something when someone can't be honest with themselves and others. Finishing up in verses 
12 and through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. They would come together regularly at Solomon's porch. No one from outside the church dared to join them, even though the people spoke highly of them. Indeed, more and more believers in the Lord, large numbers of both men and women, were added to the church. As a result, they would even bring the sick out into the main streets and lay them on cots and mats so that at least Peter's shadow could fall on them, on some of them as they passed. Even large numbers of persons from towns around Jerusalem would gather, bringing the sick and those harassed by unclean spirits. Everyone was healed. The community continues on in its purpose, in its direction, in its focus. They don't allow themselves, they allow themselves to learn from Ananias and Sapphira, but they do not allow that situation to derail them from whom they are following, of how they are trying to loving, of how they even take stock of their own lives. And here's something really important that happens that I think shows of how they continue on taking in and going, wait a minute, okay, how can I be real and honest about the situation and respond in different ways? They are, the apostles are going down to the temple, which is where Solomon's porch is, and they are teaching and they are healing. And so there are a lot of people around there that they're not going to follow Jesus. Like They're like, yeah, that's not really what I believe. But the apostles conduct themselves in such a way that those who go, well, I'm not going to believe the way you do, but I respect the way you are living. You are so honest about how you are living and about using your gifts and abilities to respond to others that they respect them. Now, at some point, are the apostles going to end up in really precarious situations where people aren't going to respect them? Absolutely. But it's important to note that they are conducting and they are living their lives so honestly that other people who do not believe the way that they do go, but I respect the way that you're living. And so to kind of take that in and to think about how as we are living, as we live honestly, as we live honestly with our gifts and abilities of responding to those around us and the capacity that we can of recognizing that there are those who are paying attention, who are watching, who are looking at that example and going, wait a minute, I can respect that. I may not believe exactly the way you do, but I can respect that because of the honest way you are living. And that right there, that is some power. That is some power that we don't see a whole lot of these days, right? Because so much today is, if you don't believe the way that I believe then, right? And so here it's, I don't believe the way you do, but I respect the way that you're living. And then it goes on. They keep responding. They keep helping others. They keep being that loving presence. They keep trying to follow the ways of Jesus. And other people go, wait a minute. I want to live that way. You have inspired me to live a new way. That, that way of honesty, that way of self-awareness, that way of going, wait a minute, we're going to get out of our comfort zone because that's what God requires of us as we respond to each other, as we get real about our abilities and our ability to respond, that we may inspire other people 
to take that up. We may inspire other people to love. We may inspire other people to live in peace. We may inspire other people to choose and cultivate joy. Now think about that for a moment. If you could inspire today for people to live in peace and joy, does that not sound like a world we all want to live in? Does it mean that everyone you meet will be inspired? No, but that we conduct our lives in such a way that that's what we're trying to do. That we get honest about what do I have to do to inspire others? Because our interaction with someone today might be the only chance that person has to know even a glimmer of love, a glimmer of peace, a glimmer of joy, a glimmer of healing. Because that's what they're doing, right? They're going off, they're healing. People are bringing all kinds of people. And it says, even large numbers of persons from towns around Jerusalem would gather, bringing the sick and those harassed by unclean spirits. Everyone was healed. Everyone was healed. When we get honest with ourselves, we may find healing in places in ourselves that we never knew needed healing. We may find places that we didn't realize, wait a minute, I didn't realize I was having such an issue with, I didn't realize that that relationship was so unhealthy. I didn't realize how I was contributing to the situation that we could find healing in ways that we never knew possible we're never aware of until we started to be honest. Until we started to be honest about our choices, our practices, our values, our words. When we start to get honest with ourselves, healing is not only possible for us, but it becomes possible for someone else becomes possible to inspire healing in others. So this story today, this power that lies in being honest with ourselves, and then we see the self-destructive nature of being dishonest. How will we be challenged this day? How will we be inspired? How will we Decide, you know what? I need to get real of. I need to figure out why. How will we get honest in such a way that not only we find healing, but our lives begin to heal others? Amen.